The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be very angry with James and John. So Jesus called and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Daydreaming isn't really such a bad thing. We've all done it, right? Zoning out of class or a meeting for a bit. Just dreaming about what life could be like, might be like, after. After the cancer is gone. After COVID is under control. After construction is done, right? I've caught myself dreaming plenty of times from our temporary office up in the church balcony about my new office, about our reconfigured new meeting rooms, or our polished up sanctuary. And there is nothing wrong with dreaming. Dreaming only gets dangerous when it gets disconnected from reality. When what we imagine might happen is so far removed from actuality that we only set ourselves up for disappointment and a dream that will never actually come to be. So, no, there won't be a bowling alley in the basement of the church, an in-house masseuse, or even a place for Pastor Zach to display his Lego collection. I'm sorry, Pastor Zach. I know. But wouldn't all of those things be nice? Right? This is the kind of dreaming that we find James and John doing in our gospel today. They are dreaming about life after. After Jesus is done walking around the countryside. After all the people have been healed. After their king has finally come into his glory. They picture themselves sitting in the places of honor at Jesus' side, one on his left, one on his right, sitting in the middle with Jesus on a huge, majestic throne, the mighty sons of Zebedee. What a glorious picture. What a glorious dream. 
except that's all that it is, a dream. When they ask Jesus to grant them anything they ask, it seems like they really anticipate that Jesus is going to say yes and grant them whatever they want. But in true Jesus fashion, Jesus instead asks James and John a question. Can you drink from the cup that I drink? We are able, they say. I can picture them totally nudging one another, right? Like, oh yeah, we got this thing locked down. We totally have this. And they do, except what they have isn't actually what they are expecting to have. When Jesus says that James and John can indeed drink from the same cup as Jesus, he is indicating that they are tied up in this journey of faith together. Teacher and disciples are intimately connected, even drinking from the same cup, essentially having the same shared experience. But while James and John can only think about the glory that will surely be theirs when Jesus eventually takes the throne, Jesus knows a much different fate awaits him and that of his disciples. When they get to Jerusalem, Jesus knows that he will be condemned to death by his own people, then turned over to the Roman Empire to be mocked, spit upon, and flogged before being put to death. At this point, Jesus' disciples should know this too. Jesus has told them this information now three times. But James and John, at least, are too busy dreaming about their version of the future to even pay attention. And even I have to admit, dreaming about a luxurious lifestyle is far more preferable than dreaming about a future filled with suffering and pain. But this is the future that Jesus knows lies ahead for him, but also for his disciples. And despite their wildly inappropriate request, Jesus is still looking out for them. He's still trying to prepare his disciples for what is coming their way. That they will indeed one day drink from that same cup as Jesus. Persecution, condemnation, and a whole lot of suffering in between. Maybe they can skip the crucifixion part if they're lucky. This whole thing reminds me of a pivotal scene in the Harry Potter books when Professor Dumbledore, Harry's teacher and mentor, takes Harry along with him to collect an important magical relic. The relic sits at the bottom of a bowl that is covered in liquid, liquid that can only be removed by drinking it from a cup. But the liquid is a nasty, foul potion, and the only way that anyone can actually drink it all the way down is to have another person there to encourage them to drink. Dumbledore knows it's going to be awful and makes Harry promise that he will continue giving him cups of potion until it is all gone. In this way, Harry finds himself desperately encouraging his teacher Dumbledore to keep drinking potion from the cup, even as Dumbledore protests and pleads that he wants to stop because it is so terrible. 
Harry isn't drinking the potion, but he's afflicted all the same by what he must do. Protecting this important magical relic was designed to require two people to collect it and demands immense suffering of them both. We too drink from a similar cup. Our lives are connected to one another as God's beloved children joined together in the body of Christ. As believers and followers of Jesus, what is asked of us is the same as what Dumbledore asked of Harry, what Jesus asked of his disciples. We must be willing to serve one another, to help one another, to suffer alongside one another. Each of us responds differently to this demand in our own way, but our response is still significant. It still matters. And we all know this last year and a half has resulted in immense suffering. Not only the catastrophic loss of life due to COVID-19, but also navigating all the other regular catastrophes that just pile on top. Difficult family dynamics, unexpected medical events, a polarized political climate. Haven't we suffered enough? It's no wonder it's so easy to dream about life after. If you're anything like me, you're thoroughly done with the life happening around us right now. But today, Jesus reminds his disciples and us that suffering is part of the human experience. It is also the way of the cross that our king, rather than being seated on a throne with two disciples perched at his right and left, will instead be hung on a cross with two lowly criminals hanging on either side. Jesus surely suffered as we surely suffer. But that doesn't mean we should glorify our suffering, turning our tales of woe into the oppression Olympics to see who has suffered the most. Suffering does not make us more holy, but it does make Jesus more human. A reminder that God came to earth in human form to live, suffer, and die right alongside us. Jesus can't magically transform the nasty potions in our lives into something more palatable. We just have to keep drinking them down one cup at a time. But he is right next to us the whole time, cradling our heads and holding us close as we drink the cup that we have been offered, the cup that is full of suffering, but also full of incredibly good news. Because it is through this cup that we have been saved. We hear today that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. Not ransom as in a form of payment, but ransom as a catalyst for action that does something. That liberates and frees not just one person, but many. All of us. All of us. And like Harry helping Dumbledore, Jesus helping us, we too can help one another drink from the cup that has been offered us. To be present with one another in the midst of suffering, to encourage when times are tough, to celebrate in times of joy. 
through Jesus' suffering and death, we are restored to wholeness despite our suffering and misguided dreams. This week, we gather to celebrate the gift of wholeness that is present in this cup. And as much as I desperately wish that we could all be here in person drinking from this one cup, that isn't something that's going to happen right now, and I'm just going to have to keep dreaming about it for the time being. But I know that this one cup isn't actually the thing that's important. It's what's inside the cup that matters. Inside this cup, inside these cups, is what matters. The blood of Christ doesn't erase our suffering, but it does bring us together, strengthening us and uniting us for whatever may lie ahead. Amen.